Hello, this is Phil from Trial by Stone, the Dark Crystal podcast. Just wanted to let you know before I actually play this episode for you, this is actually going to be a three-part episode chat uh, interview that Sydney and I did with chatting to Stephen Garlic and Lisa Maxwell, um, who of course are the voices behind Jen and Kira from The Dark Crystal. So more just to let you know, this is part one of the episode and there'll definitely be a part two and probably a part three as well, just so I can get these interviews out a lot quicker because otherwise, you know, if I did it all in one bulk, it would probably take me a while to, um, to get it sort of have it all done so just so you at least be able to give you a little bit of something with these interviews and i think you'll definitely enjoy them and um before we go before i sign off this intro obviously get tickets to the great conjunction which you can do so at www.thegreatconjunction.com so all the links to buy tickets will be in the show notes of course and also another thing i don't think i have um announced it officially or whatnot uh but i will be coming to the great conjunction so i'm very excited to be able to meet everyone there um i'm actually very excited to um be able to catch up see you all in person um at the great conjunction and um yeah you know so definitely you know trial by stone will be (laughs) um involved um with the great conjunction and uh, myself and Cindy and everyone involved with the podcast, James and, and Jamie, uh, we're all very excited about this convention and uh, really hope that you, you were able to make the trip and uh, yeah, come see us and, and also, you know, all the guests um, that have been announced uh, so far. Um, so yeah, so I think that's all I wanted to say. Just a quick little intro. Enjoy the episode. Another world, another time. In the age of wonder, you are listening to Trial by Stone. Trial by Stone! Dea, Tea, Dara, Tea. Your vital essence, the Dark Crystal. Kida, Kida. Come, come, see for yourself. Aru, Garu. How very interesting. Dea, Tea. I feel the song of Thra in my heart! Now go, you heroes of Thra! Hello and welcome to Trial by Stone. I'm your host, Phil. And I'm Sydney. And today we've got very special guests for this episode of Trial by Stone. It's actually interesting, Sydney, because, you know, in the show we've had many people who've been on the show who've worked on the film. I um, mean, you know, a lot of puppeteers or creative people, but I think we actually haven't interviewed like so the voices of uh, some of these like iconic characters from the film that started all the Dark Crystal. So with us, of course, Lisa Maxwell and Stephen Garlic, who both voiced Kira and Jen respectively. So I just want to say, Lisa and Stephen, thank you so much for being on the Dark Crystal podcast. Not <laughs> <Yeah>. thank you, follow Vom. <laughs> Oh, yes. Yes. <laughs> hi, Phil. Hi, Sydney. It's an absolute pleasure. Hi, Sydney. Hello, Phil. Hello, everybody. Great to be with you. Really looking forward to having a chat about this. Oh, so are we. What a great way to kick off the 40th anniversary celebration. I mean, and that's the whole reason we're here, really. It is, it's the 40-year anniversary of the original film that started it all. I mean, who'd have thought? all this time. I mean, I wasn't even around yet, of course. I was, you know, negative 10 at the time. 
um but but here we are yeah and i think i would have been neg- i've been i would have been <laughs> negative five years as, as well so <laughs> what does that make us positive positive i was 17 when i did the voice i think how old were you steve uh, I think I was, yeah, early 20s, yeah, because you were born in 1960, yes, yeah, yeah. Oh, legends don't have numbers, <laughs> legends have no age. I'm joking, I don't mind. <laughs> no numbers, only wings. Yeah, certainly in my early 20s, I'm, yeah, and uh, for you, Lisa, I think the Dark Crystal was one of your first jobs, wasn't it, or am I wrong? Yeah, yeah, I, I just left stage school, Italia Conti. I had never even done a voiceover before. It's my first voiceover. Wow. So I didn't even really, didn't really, really know how to do one. Um, So I, so Jim Henson and and Frank Oz actually taught me how to to do lip syncing. Wow. Um, So yeah. No, that, 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 that's crazy yeah just uh yeah that, that was like sort of your, your very first gig really yeah doing to vo- voicing a character in a you know in a jim henson film with the dark crystal like um like how did you actually audition like how, how did it all happen to for you both like to with getting involved with the dark crystal like did you both audition or or did they just happen to find you or like discover you and <laughs> you had a really good agent <laughs> hey i just found this puppet movie well i i was um i didn't have a i mean i like a really powerful agent or anything as I said I just left uh, stage school um I was still with the agency there um and I I was sent down to Elstree to to do um a reading for a voiceover for um uh, a foreign film that was being uh, dubbed into English and it was it was quite a rude film um it was um I had to do like sort of like lots of breathing and and it was very strange very strange it was it was a bit like a Lolita type film. Uh, it was French, I think. Um, and the great Louis Elman, who was um, who was uh, very well known and respected for finding actors for voiceovers for foreign language films and and, and other films. Um, I'm sure Steve Steve will, will, will have met or know Louis. Um, he he said while I was doing that, oh, there's this other film that I um, uh, would you just read something for me. Um, they're looking for somebody with a sort of an, an edgy, raspy type of uh, voice. And, and I think, you know, you, you just sort of fit the bill. So I just, I, I can't remember what I read, but it was like about four or five lines of a script that made no sense to me whatsoever. Um, and then, and he recorded that and off I went, I forgot all about it. And then I got a call to say that, um, that I got the job um, on what was to be, to be the Dark Crystal. Um, and I was like, oh, okay, great. That sounds fun. Um, you know, uh, and I didn't even think that I'd have to lip sync because I didn't know there was such a thing. Um, I thought they'd just record me reading it and then they'd go off and drop it into somebody's mouth somewhere and, and make it. Um, so that's, so yes, I did have to do a voice test, um, but it was very simple, very simple. And, uh, and I got the job. And it was from the Dark Crystal script or the early stages of it, I imagine at that point, it was it something was from, from the Dark Crystal. Crystal. I think it was from the Dark Crystal script. Do you know, I'm not, I couldn't be certain, actually. It could have just been two lines where they wanted to hear the tone of my voice and and and, and, and the quality of my voice, which, do you know, it's so funny that, I, that anyone would even be interested in my voice to me because, you know, I, I grew up spending most of my life trying to lose my Cockney accent. My mum was like, you're never going to get a job when you, if you talk like that. You're, you know, you've got to do something about the way that you speak because you're so Cockney. Um, and so she, that's why she sent me to stage school. So the fact that somebody might actually like my voice or hire me for it was bizarre to me. So, yeah, I mean, 
it's uh, you never know do you you never know I think it was that kind of gravelly working class quality that gave maybe Kira a bit of a you know give us a month you know yeah not your average princess she survives in the swamps and absolutely and... yeah That's yeah awesome. I mean a bit like myself I suppose yeah yeah I mean I wasn't in the swamps but I was you know working class <laughs> girl and I kind of sort of drag myself up by my boots if you like to to, to um create opportunities for myself so you grew your own wings. <laughs> Those are the best kind, the ones you forge yourself. I love that. And what about yourself, Stephen? Like, did you did you have to did you went through a process of yeah auditioning for the role or? Well, very similar to Lisa, really. I mean, I knew Louis quite well because Louis used me on a few things that he was involved uh, with. You know, that required somebody with a young, light-sounding voice. So, which uh, you still have, by the way. Oh, thank yeah. you. I've got bits of the script here, which, I've, which I'm going to read out later on. For everybody, ah, the you know. dulcet tones of Jen. Oh, that, that's Hooray. fantastic. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, we'll come on to that later. But no, um, so, yeah, Louis sort of used me on on, uh, on a few things that he was involved with. Like Lisa has just said, you know, usually it was foreign films that needed to be dubbed into English. So he had a kind of a roster of people, you know, actors that he, he would use. And I, mean, I don't quite know the process, but I, I guess maybe Frank or Jim approached Louis and said, look, we're looking for uh, you know, some voices for this film we're doing. You know, do you have anybody that you could, uh, you know, we could listen to? And um, yeah, from memory, I think that I had to sort of uh, read something from, from the script that Louis sort of put in front of me whilst I was doing something else with him. And uh, again, if memory serves me right, I think I just read it in my sort of normal, sort of a voice really you know I didn't have to sort of Americanize it in any way you know they just I think what Frank and Jim wanted was just, just that that tone that, that you know that, that sound that they felt that would go well with the look of Jen and obviously the lease of the look of Kira so so yes I, I, I did a sort of a ad hoc sort of audition in the studio in London somewhere and and forgot all about it and then and then suddenly, you know, I'm I'm saying that they they that I'm being told that they they want me, and they being Jim Henson and Frank Oz. Oh, my God, you <laughs> yeah. know, I mean, I without sounding yeah. too big headed, you know, I I'd, I'd been in the business for so long, and I'd worked <laughs> with so many stars, you know, but um, but to work with people like um, Jim Henson, you know, who who was obviously I, I I'd watched since Sesame Street, you know, when I was a kid, you know, uh, and. Uh, the Muppets were so so big, obviously in the in the in the seventies with the shows they were doing over here uh, and recorded across the road in the Elstree Street the TV studios across the road from where the film studios are, and uh, and so yeah they, they were so 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 big you know Kermit Miss Piggy etc. So to actually be working with these great guys you know these well known people was just an amazing. A job to get so I, I consider myself you know very fortunate as I'm sure Lisa does too you know considering 40 years later we're still talking about the film and so many people still love the film so much and it and it, it's resonated so, so so well down the years which was reflected when we when we turned up for the you know the great conjunction the very first the, the you know the big get together at Elstree and I didn't know what to expect but I mean, I'll, I guess we'll, we'll go on to that later. But yes, that that's pretty much how I kind of got the role, really. You know, it was, I was just lucky that a, a script was put in front of me and I had to read for the part of Jen. I can't even remember what what the part of the script was, what the dialogue was. But um, yeah, and, and I don't even know whether that Louis asked anybody else to read, too. I mean, you know, maybe he did, but 
I was just a lucky one who got the part. Yeah, right place, right time. <laughs> That's the thing. It's like, you know, when you both got the role, like for, you know, for Jen and Kira, I mean, for Stephen, for you, like, because I know, of course, uh, Jim Henson puppeteered Jen. And of course, you know, you know, filming it, you know, he would do the voice, all that kind of stuff. Was that, was that like initially intimidating for you to try and, you know, uh, come up with the voice of Jen, but knowing that Jim puppeteered, was there sort of like, you know, h- how did you sort of approach like the voice with Jen? Like, you know, were you trying to, you know, try and do something that was sort of close to what Jim kind of performed, but sort of took a bit, a bit of a different approach or yeah, it was just um, actually, yeah. Pretty much, pretty much, Phil. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I found it very useful to have that that kind of original guy track, as they call it, you know, of, of hearing hearing J- Jim's voice uh, as he was uh, working uh, Jen, working with Jen. Uh, um, and so, yes, I found it useful when it came to some of the inflections, some of the things, you know, things that you know he was trying to, he was putting. Because you have to remember that these guys weren't just sort of puppeteers, muppeteers, whatever you want to call them. They were, you know, very well established voice artists in their own right, if you think about it. When you consider all of the characters they had to find voices for, you know, um, when you look at, look back at the Muppets. So I felt I was in good hands. So hearing Jim's voice, uh, certain, you know, certain lines as, as Jen, um, I felt I found very useful. But yes, you know, I wanted to sort of put my own sort of you know, stamp on it if you like but when we were told later on that we would have to americanize you know put on an american accent uh, for for both jen and kira um they then became almost diction coaches as well because if it became a bit too cockney you're a bit, you know a bit of slang got yeah. <laughs> sound like lisa you know, was, again I mean, they're always stopping with lisa as you've heard you know i mean god dear. Uh, it's so fun how you say hearing jim's voice you found helpful I found it really intimidating hearing Jim's voice and and Frank's voice as well, um, it, because they were so famous. Their voices, more famous. I mean, because I didn't know what they looked like. Their, their their voices were were the famous things. So to be directed by what felt like Kermit the Frog, um, for me, it was such a such a weird and um, kind of wonderful at the same time um feeling and and then frank again you know sort of to feel you're being directed by miss piggy mm. <laughs> was the really kind of um i was actually very happy that they decided to make it a little bit american because i always wanted to be american when i was a little girl um because of all the, all the movies like little house on the prairie and things like that that we used to watch and i used to walk around the streets of the castle in south london with an american accent pretending to be american so um, when when they when they asked us to do the um, the American accent, I was like, oh, I can do that. I've been you know literally in real life practicing all my life for this part. Um, so I was really said to to, do, to maybe make Kira more American. And then I think Steve, we had to do it again, didn't we, with a sort of less American kind of like this jockey mid Atlantic. Yeah. Yes, that's right. Did we? That, I, did we, I, I think that? we did. Yeah. I mean, you know, they were very, as I say, very hot on. On, on how it came across, how it, how we sounded, really, you know. And uh, if it wasn't right, we'd have to go back and do it again. Uh, uh, yeah, maybe we might have to we might have had to water it down a little bit, you know, the accent. Or as I say, certain vowel sounds maybe came across to to English. Uh, and so Frank had a very good ear. But 
you know, the good thing about Jim was that he had such a, um, a light voice. If you listen to his voice, listen to his speaking voice, very gentle. And, and, and that's where I found it useful because if you look at the film, I mean, Jen didn't have a, you know, a, a hard sort of cell voice. You know, he, he, had a, he had a very light voice that I think went with his look, with his personality, if you like. He was a very naive Gelfling at the start of the film, wasn't he, really, when you think about it. And, and so I think that's where I think, you know, the input from, from Jim was really helpful for me, you know, to get that kind of light touch. But, but yes, I, I, I'd forgotten, yes, we had to sort of, yeah, water it down and, and redo it if, if it wasn't right. You know, Jim and Frank knew what they wanted from us. The one that made it in the film in the end was the the more American version, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think at the end, when he, when he, when he listened to our voices now, yeah. Uh, yes, it was. They did go for him. I guess they did because obviously it had to had to appeal, you know, to, to the American market, I suppose. I don't know. It's the obvious thing to say, I suppose, really, but yeah. I guess that's why they I always find it really interesting. It's to me how they, they tend to, uh, they often cast English actors in, in what are essentially American products, if you like, because it I kind of, I think it adds some otherworldliness for some kind of quality for some reason, because it happens a lot. Well, it's also possible that you guys are much more professional to work with than we are. <laughs> that's my guess. <laughs> that's, but that's just conjecture based on my Californian experience. So. <laughs> I think we got it right though. I think, you know, because it, it, it was a lot of, a lot of hard work. I mean, uh, doing doing the actual mechanics of of, of the posting of the syncing and the dubbing of the film, and um, our, the thing the memory I have of actually going into the studio and doing it was how much I hyperventilated during the uh, recording process. Because if you look at the film, Ben and Kira are running running away, you know, running in through the forest a lot of the time, and it was like. <laughs> Here, yeah, you know, and after a while, I was, I was getting lightheaded, and we had to sort of breathe into a into a bag halfway through. I know you had a bit of problems with hyperventilation, didn't you, Lisa? I did. I got very lightheaded at one point, and then I got a bit giggly as well because it always sounds a bit strange, doesn't? It, when you're just breathing, um, and um, you just reminded me of something then as well. I had this um, really scary experience for me. Uh, you know, Trevor Jones did the music. Yes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, yep. When I had, to, you know, that, that bit where Kira's in the boat and she's like that, ah, ah, bit, mm -hmm. the scene bit, which I've obviously, you know, too, too many cigarettes over the years, I can't quite reach the notes anymore. But um, I had to go into a studio, a really massive, intimidating recording studio with Trevor Jones and an orchestra. Oh, wow. What was that like? So it would have been the London Symphony Orchestra, I guess. And I just remember they had no plan for what I was going to sing or do. And I it sort of, they just said, can you just sort of, you know, just hear the music and sing along or, and I just sort of, just sort of, again, like with everything, I just was winging it and I just, because there were no words, just sort of went, ah, strange thing, which ended up in the film. I remember thinking, oh, they'll cut that. You know, that's shocking. Lisa, that is my favorite part of the movie. That is my hands down like favorite part i sing that song all the time <laughs> like cannot How can, i can't even remember it oh my goodness the, the thing i love about that scene it's sort of like it was a bit of a breather of a scene it's just like you know you're just taking in the visuals they're on the boat you know kira's singing and it's just like yeah it was just a nice you know just a nice little moment of just a little little touch of thra yeah <laughs> it's mesmerizing and it and it 
it's simplicity. It's absolutely, you know, it's it's kind of mesmerizing, and it's just a lovely quiet moment. With I feel like it was her in her in her world, you know. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, but being in that room, I just I've forgotten how um, how epic in, and like movie like it was being in a studio with an orchestra and Trevor Jones. I love the music to the film. I love the music. To the film. If I hear it even today. I get the I get quite well, slightly emotional, but I get a little tingles. Yeah, off yes, the yes. back it's of the beautiful. neck. I thought the score was 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 brilliant, and of course the LSO were being used for everything. I mean, John Williams was using them all the time back then, wasn't he? You know, after he was doing with Spielberg. So, uh, I mean, oh, happy birthday, Mr. Williams! He was ninety recently, wasn't he? Yes. Amazing. Oh, yes. Which is yeah. incredible. Wow. Yeah, yeah. But no, I thought I thought he did a great great job on the score of the film. Fantastic, really great. Yeah. But, but yeah, just getting back to the mechanics again. Yeah, my memory of recording the voice of Jen, as much as, you know, I, I had a lot of help from, from Jim uh, and Frank, you know, again, it was it was a lot of, a lot of, <laughs> all that. And, and so like, um, yeah. did you yeah. both actually meet, like, did you went to the recording booth like together to record your parts or was it sort of done sort of separately? Like, yeah. No, we were together, weren't we? For all of it, I think. Yeah, I think, yeah, we used to do them Walked down from the station at L Street, didn't we? Yeah, I, think I, I declared at the last conjunction that I thought you were quite hot when I first met you. I know. I mean, not, don't think it <laughs> Our times have changed. <laughs> darling, not at all. But I remember thinking, oh, he's quite nice. You know, he's he's, he's a bit hot, but good looking, isn't he? So yeah, I really I really enjoyed it. The whole thing was just fantastic for me. Um, Anyway, I just I think it's quite nice to share that now that you know I would never have said it at the time. You know, seventeen and self conscious and all of that. But yeah, <laughs> yeah. Oh, thank you very much, Tom. This is me blushing here. So you don't know what to yeah. say, do you? <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, we did, we did, we did work together a lot. I mean, there were there were a couple of occasions where I had to do stuff on my own. Uh, I always remember, yeah, on one occasion, um, I think Jim and Frank were were in Canada doing some special for. Uh, Canadian TV and so they couldn't get back to the UK so they flew me out to Toronto for a couple of days <laughs> as you did like, no problem so I was in Toronto yeah and we were in this sort of you know recording studio that they'd hired and um, it was back then you know the, the, the technical part of the recording you know there was it wasn't digital or at all it was all loggy stuff I guess and so I had to do I had to do it on a sort of small TV screen and record it and so I yeah so I was there in Toronto and then on another occasion um they they hired um the legendary studio two at Abbey Road where the Beatles made all their hits you know and I remember you know that wasn't being obviously you know that Jim and Frank had hired it and so there was nothing there aren't there weren't any musical instruments it was just this empty space with this chair and a tv screen and a microphone obviously and there i was doing these scenes and i'm looking around thinking my god this this is where the fat four did all that hits you know i could i was i was quite distracted to begin with but uh, but that those were the only times I, I was on my own most of the time yeah as lisa has said you know we were together and i think um that helped us because i think we were able to encourage each other you know especially when it was you know we, we were getting tired because you know it, it, it was a sort of a tiring thing to do it on certain days, wasn't it, Lisa? Yes, yeah, it was. It was. It was. Um, it was relentless. When we were there, we just we did a, we covered a lot of material, um, and uh, I mean, I think I remember us being quite nervous when they decided that they were going to maybe give us more of an accent. 
you know, when they decided to do it in America, and I remember us thinking, oh, okay, oh, you know. Um, are we going to be able to carry this off? You know, are we going to be yeah. able to do it? But yes, anybody, no. anybody can put on a sort of an, an American accent, you know, a classic American accent. You know, but, uh, you know, it's, uh, it, there's, it, it has to be a bit more subtle than that. And uh, as we mentioned earlier on, you know, it went through its processes of being maybe a bit over the top to then being brought back. So a there were probably bit. a lot yeah. of variations then, right, in your different recordings, like different takes. And there's probably out there in the ether some recordings of you guys doing some Texan gelflings or <laughs> like <laughs> how how far did the experimentation go with with the the accent variations was that did it kind of vary wildly or did you kind of find your groove pretty early on yeah well I, I, I think I think we did yeah I mean it was more it was more a case of um just maybe sort of rounding the r's you know the the American r as opposed to the flat English r you know r Doing doing that in various places and um, and um, and the the uh, the ah sound which is quite different, um, but yeah I, I no I think it was I think we we talked to it quite well didn't we quite quickly I remember there are certain certain lines uh, um, I don't know about you Steve but there was there was one line I just couldn't get the inflection right you know when you get something in your head and you just you can't put the inflection in the right place. Um, you were a much more seasoned actor than I was at the time, and you probably didn't have this problem. But I remember, I, you know, that you're, of course, not. You're a boy. That line that Kira says when, you know, I couldn't, I can't, you know, you. Have it's about the jump. wings. It's the wings bit, isn't it's it? It's the wings bit. It's quite. Which now, uh, looking, back, it's probably a really massively pivotal moment in the film. Um, I couldn't, I couldn't get the inflection right, and of course not. You're a boy. I kept going. You're a boy. Oh, a boy. Yeah. Of course not. I, I, yeah. I just, I just, I remember just going over and over and over and over again. And when I saw it in the film, we went to the screening, and I thought, ah, oh, that's what they meant. <laughs> Afterwards, when I saw it, that you just get a blank on certain things, and uh, but like, yeah, I think the accent we were okay with in the end. Yeah. Uh, there was one line I had was uh, right in the mud or something like that, and I, I remember. Yeah. That. Yeah, I had to do that a few times as well, you know. But I think Lisa hit the nail on the head. I think, as you as she said, you know, the R sounds and certain those, those sort of things uh, that if if they be, if they sound didn't sound right, Jim was uh, and Frank would sort of correct us, and they did it very very nicely. So they were with you the entire process. Yeah. Thank God they were there because they were like voice coaches, and and that's what we needed, you know. They were so, so kind. So kind. I just remember um, Frank Oz saying to me on the first day, um, "Okay, we're going to uh, lip sync uh, this," um, and uh, and I was like, "Yeah, okay." Thinking, "What does he mean? What does lip sync yeah. mean? How do we do that then?" And um, so I just kept going and didn't sort of say, "Well, I've never done this before." Um, and he and he said, "Have you you lip synced?" Uh, uh, and I said, um, "Not much, you know. Um, I just sort of." Was just winging it really really badly winging it no pun intended <laughs> um but 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 i um he taught me he taught me he said so when the black bar goes across you speak um and you have to fit it within those two black bars going across and so i i was very very lucky to have been taught how to lip sync by the great frank oz you know how one how lucky we I'm glad, I'm glad we're mentioning that today because, as I said, without their input, uh, our performances wouldn't have been half as good, really, you know. Uh, it, 
it was it was good to have them there and they you know considering how busy they were they literally i think there were still certain bits that they were filming down on the sound stage you know i think much the film had been done but there were still bits that they were doing and of course you know they were doing other stuff as well for the muppets so they were really busy you know but they they always gave up their time so generously and uh, yeah and and again it's great to meet them I, to your point that they were doing a million things at the same time and they were also shooting the the film so they were doing the voices with us but i remember often on the sound stage somewhere else at elstree they were filming the Gartham house being broken into and so it hadn't oh, right, all been right. done didn't it? they take us down there didn't they take uh, us down to the sound stage and show, they, they showed did. us around didn't they yeah yeah yeah, no, yeah, yeah, I didn't, yeah, didn't realise that, that, yeah, like, yeah. they were still shooting while, yeah, you know, age. doing the whole post-production process with you guys doing the voices, and, and yeah, I mean, that, that's awesome to hear that, sort of, that Jim and Frank were very heavily involved with, um, yeah, especially with doing the voiceovers, you know, to coach and, you know, direct you um, uh, throughout the time, because I know, like, most, like, these days, you know, most films, they just have, you know, the ADR directors or whatnot, and, you know, they, they sort of handle that kind of process, and not, like, the main you know the main directors that sort of thing so no that's that's really fantastic to hear yeah how much of an input both of them had it phil it was just the four of us in the studio it was i mean they were there with us uh, it was just the four of us all the time it was most of the time it was fabulous so so lucky to have had that now and for i think a lot of uh directors and for a lot of performers it can be overwhelming to have two uh, for all intents and purposes, two directors simultaneously, you know, sometimes the, the relationship, the way they communicate might be different, but there are so many just countless stories of how Jim and Frank were just sort of two halves of the same mind. Would you say that was also your experience working with them as they were directing you? Was it very much like they were always in sync with each other? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I, I felt, that. I mean, you have to consider that, you know, we're talking now 19... 80, 81 time. Uh, I mean, they had been, you know, working on on obviously Sesame Street. I don't quite know when that first uh, went on the air in America, but you know, they had been they they had been working on different things. So I think that there was a sort of synergy, if you like, you know, and uh, and I think that they they did know each other very well. They bounced off each other, uh, and of course, you know, when you're working at sort of such sort of close quarters, you know, uh, with their hands up. Muppets, you know, I suppose you do get to know each other quite well, don't you, really, you know. Uh, so, so yeah. I, I... They performed together as well, didn't they? So, that, I mean, I think there's a thing that happens when people perform together. There's a trust that comes, uh, which, which you know, because they're relying on each other during a performance. So, I, again, same as Stephen, I, I, I felt that they absolutely complemented each other. Uh, I, I never once had conflicting advice from from them. It was, you know, um, when one made a decision and came over and spoke to you and and suggested doing something a certain way, the other one, nine times out of ten, I would say, or, or always agreed and went along with it. It was a really happy place and a happy environment to work in. And I'm sure they were the same with with all of the other uh, actors, voice actors who took part in the film. You know, I mean. And working, I mean, I'd, I'd like to have been a fly on the wall when they worked with Billy Whitelaw. I mean, that was that. Was, Damn. Uh, yes. You know, such an established actress, um, and uh, you know, for for her to to have agreed to 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 do the the movie, you know, I mean, she must have liked the whole concept of of of, of the film and the story, um, and so to have her on board. Uh, must have been amazing and I'm sure you know Frank and Jim were in awe as much as we were in awe of Jim and Frank I'm sure they were in awe of 
yeah, a bit of white law. So um, they they did a great job on on every on all of the actors who were in it. Really, I loved her character, Augra. I just think Augra is is such a well defined character. She's funny. She's lovable. Um, you know, for for the two guys to create a female character like that that's so so multifaceted. Um, is, is extraordinary. I mean, she, she she was such a unique, wonderful character. Scary, but lovable and funny. Just everything you would want. Just a beautiful. Uh... And she got her voice just, just right, didn't The voice of Aura just off to a T, didn't she, really, I think? Yeah, I think it was. I mean, she's such, she was such a phenomenal actress, an absolute legend, a, a real legend. Um, yeah. Um, it's so nice to, to, to that, that that she is Augra. I think you know because we have Augra forever. Now. Um, you know we have these characters forever. Um, I can't ever see the film not appealing to the next generation and the next generation. Well, I hope so. I, I hope it continues in that way. Yeah, I mean audiences are still discovering. You know, with the Dark Crystal, you know, with the film, but um, you know, also with that show that that came out with Age of Resistance. So it's it's been such a incredible like couple of years of just sort of. The, you know sort of the the franchise has been really energized like with the show and also the things that sort of came out throughout the years prior and um and i know you know there had been some projects you know with, well, i guess of course with the power of the dark crystal that was sort of like an on and off kind of thing you know whether it was going to happen and it got cancelled and all that kind of stuff so um yeah it's been such a yeah really um yeah interesting great couple of years you know especially now like uh, yeah is that the same that so that the 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 one that the dark crystal one that you mentioned the the age of no not the age of resistance the the first one that you mentioned power is of that, dark is crystal that, yes yeah the power of the dark crystal sorry that, okay so that so is that the same producer because i know that the age of resistance the the guy that produced it had it had been in the works for like 10 years or something um he'd been trying to get this thing made for like 10 years so i wonder if it was the same person can't remember his name um but i did have the pleasure of um working with him remotely <laughs> should remember his name isn't that awful um, oh, just... oh would that be uh louis louis leterrier yes i think so yes louis yes yeah. yes yeah yeah because yeah because i think yeah originally like he was like one of the last, like last directors to be involved with power and then i think um you know when they sort of shifted the direction you know sort of doing the sequel it's like oh let's actually do a prequel and instead i think that's sort of how yeah, that sort of came about, yeah. So I have a funny story for you about that. Uh, <laughs> so um, my my agent heard that they were doing, um, well, she, she kind of got, got thought that they were doing a um, follow-up to The Dark Crystal. So she just got in touch with the people, the casting people, and said, you know, Lisa Stillman and, um, you know, would, would love to be involved, just obviously you know it would be a, a passion project and a, you know has a special place in her heart and everything um and i thought that was quite clever so um so she did that and we forgot about it um and then then they got back in touch um this the, the people from age of resistance got in touch with my agent the casting department and said would i do a tape um they just wanted to know if i sat how i sounded today you know because i'm like 15 moves now and I was 17 when I did Kira so um so I said yeah no I'd, I'd love to so they sent me um a one-page script deeply sort of top secret script with my name all over so that I couldn't reproduce it in any way 
And so I just, I spent a day in my bedroom trying to get my voice to go higher and higher and higher to, to say these lines. And that's all the time that we have for this episode of Trial by Stone. Uh, definitely stay tuned next time for our part two interview with Lisa Maxwell and Stephen Garlick. If you'd like to get in contact with the show, you can do so at darkcrystalpodcast at gmail.com. Like us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash darkcrystalpodcast. Follow us on Instagram at darkcrystalpodcast and on Twitter at darkcrystalpod. Thank you all so much and stay tuned for the next episode of Trial by Stone.